Hello everyone and welcome to this brand new podcast. My name is Graham and this is Shita Tonde with HH4. If you are not familiar with HH4, this is Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti. We are a fantastic organization which has been doing some great work within Haiti and also within the Haitian community in the United States. I am pleased to be joined by three of the pillars of HH4. <laughs> and uh, we are going to introduce them to you. Once again, please welcome Natasha Charles, Sabine Guerrier, and Naomi Pascal. Hello, ladies. How are we? How wonderful. How are Thank you? you? Very good. Uh, speak up, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first thing we are going to do is to introduce you to who we are. We have Sabine Guerrier, and she is the president and founder of HH4. She is going to do this introduction. Take it away, Sabine. Okay. How everything started. Okay, good. Yeah, we live. We live. We live, man. All right, sounds good. Well, like you said, Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti. I started it in two thousand and nine, and the objective was to help the Haitian community in the Carolinas or any other states in the U.S. would need help. However, in 2010, after the earthquake struck Haiti in January, a month after, we took our first volunteer trip to Haiti, and we had about 36 people who traveled with us. And Naomi Pascal uh, was one of the first initial, uh, one of the volunteers from our first trip, and for some reason, she stuck from day on and she has not turned back because of the work, the wonderful work we have been doing, not only for the people of Haiti, but also the community here in Charlotte. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization and we are doing amazing work domestically and internationally. Yes. So, Naomi, it is your turn now to tell me how has this entire experience been for you. And of course, you, as, as I've been telling you, you, you stuck around. So, clearly, you, you like what we do here. So, tell me, what's been this experience? Um, it's been like nothing else. Um, I met Sabine in 2010 after the earthquake. She had a huge community meeting at the Methodist Baptist Church in Charlotte. And of course, I have family in Haiti, aunts and uncle that were missing after the earthquake because no one so? heard from them. So I was sitting at home trying to figure out what to do and someone told me there was a meeting. Of course, I was there to see what can we do here in Charlotte? How could I find my people to begin with? Because I couldn't find my family. So that's how I met Sabine, and she was very resourceful, had a lot of information for us, and she decided to plan this trip so we could go down there and help.
Ça a bien le monde dans le pays. Oh, yeah, she, she knows people. Uh, so when she said we were going to Haiti, I said, count me in. So, yeah, we run, you know, we, we were ready to go down there and help our brothers and sisters that were suffering. And, you know, thankfully, my young one wasn't here with me. So I was able to leave yeah. without worried where I would leave my daughter because I'm originally from New York City and I don't have any family here in Charlotte. So it was, you know, it was perfect timing. So I went down there. We spent about two weeks in Haiti helping out. And I was able to find my aunt wow. to the point that they came to my location to visit me where I was. Oh, wow. That is fantastic. Thank God for that. Yeah, I was able to actually see them, touch them, and know they were okay. From then on, I've been stuck with Sabine. Because when she start with Sabine, you can't leave <laughs> Sabine. Stuck with she, Sabine. What <laughs> That, that, she won't that. let you leave. <laughs> I'm learning this. That's a good thing. And guess what? We had, I think it was last year we met. Yeah. We grabbed her and she's like, I can't go either. Yeah, she, I mean, she's doing wonderful work. She has with idea. And, you know, it, yeah. it always feels good to me to help people out. I'm a healthcare worker. In nature, I like to help. So anything right. I could do to help, I, I'm for it. So, you know, we've, we've been helping the community here, people in Haiti. I think I went on two trips with her so far, but she's gone to Haiti numerous times, you know, for different reasons, different locations to help different people. Yes, I mean, know. always has her food in Haiti and her food here in Charlotte, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she knows people, like and you said. <laughs> she knows people. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we've done a lot of stuff community-based here because there's a lot of people that move from elsewhere and come to Charlotte in they don't have the resources they need because it's a new state for them. They don't know where to go for help. And Sabine is just a phone call away, you know, because once you Google Haitians in Charlotte, yep. our organization will show up. And we get a lot of phone calls of people that either looking to meet Haitians or need help about things they need to do. If it's bills, shelter. I mean, we get calls for just about anything, jobs. Yeah, because Haitians got bills, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just a phone call away and very happy to help however we can. Absolutely. So, Natasha, is it fair to say that you are the newcomer here? I am very much a newcomer here. <laughs> All right. So how long have you been a part of this organization? I would say about a year. I actually moved to Charlotte in 2019, relocated here due to work and just like Naomi shared, that's one of the first things I did is Google <laughs> Haitians in Charlotte because I just felt like there was no, I didn't feel that there was a strong presence, a Haitian community presence. So I was definitely looking to form those connections and HFO popped up right away. And then around that time, you all were doing an anniversary vigil for the earthquake. And that was my first interaction. And I was extremely impressed by that presentation, the speakers that you had that, that evening and how passionate you are about, you know, Haitian people. And then not only here in Charlotte, but again, back in Haiti as well. And me being Haitian American, I, my heart has always been, you know, with where my people are from, where my family is from and trying to make sure we hold on to the culture as much as possible. So I was looking for a way to get involved and I uh, just reached out to Sabine and she very 
very quickly just opened her arms and just allowed me to just, you know, come and contribute however I can. And unfortunately, COVID happened and things, it slowed a lot of things down that were in the pipeline. But I'm excited to, to you know, to share that they're definitely uh, being picked back up again. And and I'm just happy to, to learn and just contribute. I believe in giving back. I believe in community service. And so I'm, I'm happy to be here and, and to be part of the HHFO family. Fantastic. So, so <laughs> Timon Giboy. Eh? Excuse him? Timon Kiboy. <laughs> That's a good one. Eh? Timon Kiboy. Timon Kiboy. Kotem Soti. Kotem Soti. I'm from Connecticut. Comment do you say? Kotem Soti. No, comment do you say? Mwen Soti. Mwen Soti. Well, this is not fair. This is not fair. I'm not going to tell you about one palette. No, when you put me on the spot, I get nervous. Mwen Soti, but this is why I'm here. Mwen Soti, um, originally was born in New York, lived there for a few years, and then grew up in Connecticut. So that's where I spent, that's where I grew up, is in, is in Connecticut. My mom's family is from Gwanaive. Well, it is fantastic to have you as an addition to 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 this group. I must confess, I have uh, I've been back in. I feel like I'm I'm back with a vengeance because I wasted a lot of years by um, not walking away, but going on an, an extremely long hiatus <laughs> with this group. And, uh, but, but it, it is always a fantastic opportunity to be part of, of this organization. And um, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm, I'm still scared of Sabine. <laughs> Sabine <laughs> reminds me of like some school principal that used to whoop me when I was a kid. <laughs> yep, she reminds me of my aunt. <laughs> I take it as a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me go my balada or me, maybe now, my balada or something. But, not fair. Three against one. I have to say, however, Sabine is incredibly approachable. It is just me. <laughs> this is just me. It, it's 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 on me. So I'd like to go a bit more into the work that has been done in Haiti. What kind of projects? Of course, our projects may have been put to a stop for now, given the situation of the pandemic and everything. But one thing we want to do with this podcast is that we can we can do some some joking around, isn't it? So I'm gonna throw some questions at you, all of you, and I'm gonna pick them at random. And I'd like to see <laughs> I'd like to see what you think, right? Um, let Let's see, Natasha. Have you ever been told that you look like someone famous? No. Seriously? Seriously. No one has ever told you you look like, I don't know, so-and-so? No. What am I? <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's, that can't be true. It's very true. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So who, 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 who does she look like uh, to you, uh, a famous person? Oh, be careful now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you know I'm going to take it there. <laughs> 
Okay, yes, if you are some Jennifer play. Hudson. Jennifer Watson? Yeah, when I see her, I can see. Mm, how Jennifer Watson la, oui? Mm, not to sue ya. Le conchante? Ah, samba. Oh, le ba noti ba la? En fait, il chante, il mais comment on dit encore? Ok. Ti chéri. Ay, ti chéri. So, Sabine. Yes. Between, so, these are decades I'm talking about here. 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. What's your favorite decade? Oh, 90s. 90s? Yes. All right, well, what music were you into back then? Oh, my God. Uh, Sofrak. I love Madonna, uh, Whitney Houston, Cher, The Piano Man. Uh, I like Sofrak a lot. Yeah, Yeah. I like, I, I was a Sofrak, like, I was a big Air Supply fan that were like, had like yeah. Chicago, you know. Big stuff, man. Yeah. But like when you're going down <laughs> in terms of partying, what music is um the nineties sort of like put us on the map with with uh Fuji's. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. The Fuji's were like, oh, got a Fuji on this Yeah. I don't know why I'm gonna ask this because like that's not a Haitian thing, but what's your favorite sandwich? <laughs> 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 you, see, you see, that's not a Haitian thing, is it? <laughs> like, um, I will take a BLT because I love bacon. Bacon! <laughs> you can never go wrong. And nobody get bacon and Haiti. Nobody get bacon and Haiti. No. No, nobody get bacon and Haiti. But there's the oh, bacon. Man. <laughs> I'll put a little bit of a rochon for me. But BL2 will be my favorite, yeah. Um, Naomi, if a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be? Comedy, horror, action, <laughs> action. <laughs> romance. What 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 would it be? I'll say an action movie. Oh. An action sure. movie. <laughs> action pack lady. Uh-huh. You'll be like going around kicking ass and stuff. Uh, yes. Huh? I'm always on the move anyway. Uh, yes. <laughs> but here's the crazy thing though. Like I've never seen Naomi mad. Like I've never seen Naomi so angry. That is true. That is true. <laughs> like do you get so, angry? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not easily, but I do. <laughs> when you get there, that's it. Uh-huh. You know what you got to do? You know um, so in terms of genre, Natasha, of a movie made of your life, what would it be? Are you an action pack lady too or something like that? I feel like I'm really boring now. Listening to you <laughs> um, I would have to say a comedy because my dating life is like a comedy. Right really? Now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's quite um, entertaining. Are you a funny bone? Are you... Am I a funny bone? Mm. I mean, I like to laugh. Yes, yeah, so I can be silly, and yeah, I'm always I'm always in a in a mood to like joke around. So yeah, I would say comedy. Are you the, the famous Tico Mick in class, lah? No, no? <laughs> you, know, you know the Tico Mick. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so you're just the one who sits in the back and and just laughs. Yep. You you're the it. one who gets people in trouble, though. <laughs> Whenever I got in trouble, because like I was the Tikomik, I was the one who always had something to say. 
<laughs> but sometimes if no one laughs, I don't get in trouble because the teacher doesn't get mad at me. But when everybody explodes, I get in trouble. Like, right? <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you're not the Tikumik. Um, okay, I'm going to throw this one at you all. You know how like Americans have made the whole zombie thing a, a, a phenomenon, right? <laughs> but to us Haitian, zombie is a completely different thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, so the question is, the zombie apocalypse is coming. Who are three people you want on your team? <laughs> I don't want me on my team. Everybody uh, eating away. Because <laughs> I'll just be sitting there like, like whatever. I'm laughing at that. I'll be like, whatever. <laughs> this is not true. <laughs> That'll be me. <laughs> but I just feel like as Haitians, you know what I mean? Like we would we would laugh in the face of, of yes, what, what, like, uh, what Americans think zombie are like um, man, get out of we'll here. Sit down I've been balling the zombie. Yeah, so what about you, Sabine? Who who do you want on your team in the zombie apocalypse? Uh I would say Tom would be of one. I'm the vice president of the organization because whenever I travel with him, he carries all different kinds of tools with him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if there's anything in this world he has not done. He has not <laughs> conquered. <laughs> he has not overcame. Like, I would definitely take him. Me, of course, because I can definitely kick some booties. <laughs> <laughs> and third person... Um, <laughs> which well, you need the lady that's calm. Okay, you can take me. You can take me. Yeah. The person that's calm, keeping the group yeah. appeased, like relax. Calm down. It's no it's big nothing. deal. No, you're gonna tell the zombie sit there quietly. You want me to make you some uh, bread? <laughs> you want some food for real? <laughs> The zombies are coming and Naomi's like, That's it. Hold on one second. I'll be right back. I'm right back. The one thing you know for sure is that if you have to run away with Naomi, there's always going to be some food. You won't be going hungry. That's the truth. So uh, I hate to put you on the spot, Natasha, but I'm assuming you're the, the millennial of the group, mm-hmm. aren't you? Yes. So, with that said, would you be able to go 24 hours without your smartphone? Oh, yeah. I already told them. I'm not on social media like that. Like, I'm not. I'm one of those anomalies where I'm I'm not tied to to my phone like that. Oh. So, I'm good. About if you have a problem? It's true. Really? You can look me up. I probably haven't posted anything in over a year now. Going on two years now. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not uh, not my not, not compelled thing. to have to be, you know what I mean, active all the time on, on social media. All right. So w- with that, I'd like to for us to go back because some would say that the founding of HH4 was some sort of blessing in disguise because if the structure did 
wasn't there already, by the time tragedy hit, it would be just a matter of gathering people around. Whereas Sabine already had the idea in place and action was taken more swiftly than any other bigger, larger organization, isn't it? So I I know that we visited this a little bit because you, Naomi, and I, we've had interviews for my upcoming podcast, Beyond Sakpase. But I'd like to revisit that occasion again. One of those things that happens is that whenever it is an important occasion or tragic event, the one thing you can never forget is where you were and what you were doing at the time. So go through that for me. And how quickly did you think, I need to be doing something? Uh, I clearly remember uh, everything about that day as if it was yesterday. I was at work. It was after 4.30, 4.50 around when my nephew in New York called me. Well, he tends to call me a lot and I didn't respond, but he kept on calling. And finally, I answered the phone and he told me an earthquake just struck Haiti. I'm like, what? Because I never... when. I know there was an earthquake that happened in, and that happened in the 50s in the northern region, but we never, there has never been a talk about earthquake in Haiti. And uh, I rushed to the break room because we had a TV in the break room and I turned the TV on and I was like, oh my God, knowing the structure, the yeah. architecture in Haiti, I knew it was bad. Because I had just come from Haiti um, less than a year prior. And I was like, oh my God. And my husband at the time was still living in Haiti. I was in shock. Yeah. I just could not believe it. The destruction in just a matter of seconds. And it was hard. I, I, I just could not I couldn't understand it, why, how, who, when, like, it was just too much for me. I remember going back to my desk, I pick up my bags, and I told my manager, I have to go. I have to be with my family, trying to call my husband, not answering, like Naomi said earlier, during the time, you couldn't reach to anyone. There was no communication, nothing. So you don't know what's happening. I knew I had to do something, although I didn't know where my husband was. Uh, I have cousins in Haiti. We couldn't reach out to anyone, but I knew I had to do something. So I started making phone calls. You can stay away from your phone for days. I can for seconds. <laughs> <laughs> my phone, I'm attached. As you could say, I have two phones. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm attached to my phones. And I started making phone calls. It's like, let in Haiti, but we as a community, what can we do? Not what can we do, what are we going to do? What, yeah, exactly. Because it wasn't an if or but, 
we're going to have to do something. And it wasn't a call to the Haitian community. It was a call to Charlotte because we are people. Our neighbors are in crisis. Something that I don't think we have seen or the world has ever seen. When they said 300,000 people, but millions of people have right. perished. Yes, I'm, I'm sure that. Uh, so I was able, I didn't sleep. I took time off. I did not sleep for two days making phone calls. And we had a meeting two days after the mm-hmm. earthquake. Okay. So that's when, that's when gather, Naomi that's when we met, met you. Met you. Yes. yes. Huh. In two days. Two days after. No sleeping, nothing, making phone calls, getting a location, sending invitations. And it was like, come on, people, come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh, while I don't know what's happening to my family in Haiti, I couldn't get into it. But I knew that we, as a community, we, as people, had to come together and decide what is it we are going to do and how we're going to go about it. And in that meeting, I mean, so many, we had over 150 people, like a lot, in a matter of less than two days, okay? Mm -hmm. And everybody was ready to say, we are going. And the first trip we took a month after the earthquake, that's the largest trip ever where a group from Charlotte so big, we had the mayor at the time, Mayor Fox, Anthony Fox was the mayor. He was involved. I worked with him. He gave us contact for NASCAR. NASCAR mm-hmm. uh, gave us contact for them to give us their uh, plane, a twelve seater plane, because the forty seater plane was too big to land at the airport in the northern region. Charlotte was involved. Charlotte News and Newspaper. Observer. Charlotte Observer. Charlotte Observer. Right, right. For two weeks was uh, was uh, was involved. Churches. We touch on everyone. Like Charlotte went to Haiti. That's awesome. And it was just amazing. And it was a lot of work, but we came together. It was amazing to see in such, I've met people that have, like, I didn't know Naomi, I didn't know Tom, I didn't know so many people, but we all came together to make sure that we are part of that relief effort. Haiti needed us. Haiti needed its children. Mm-hmm. Haiti needed its friends. Haiti needed his alliances. People will say that they care. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They did. We yeah. did it. Yeah. Yeah. And when we got to Haiti for that for, for that two weeks, the hospital that we went to, they call us angels. Uh-huh. They were very because wow. they were working wow. 24-7, no break. We came for two weeks and we were able to give them a break mm-hmm. and for them. And we work hard. Yeah. Work hard. Yeah, we. It was amazing, and I'm so proud of the work that we've done and what we were able to achieve. Yeah, it wasn't an easy travel, though. <laughs> Should we go there? <laughs> so let me ask you this then: question for Naomi. Uh-huh. Having seen the way the community we, we call our second home as as Haitian immigrants came together and said, "Yeah, we're there with you. We are coming." Is that one of those things that actually reduces your faith in no matter how divided we may seem, you know, on a day-to-day basis, but once the call is placed upon us, we are all the same, we all come together, we all do our our part. How much did that impress you? Um, very much so, because, I, I mean, like Tom, he's never left the United States. 
Never left Waxhaw. Wow. Got on a plane and went to a foreign country for two weeks. So first trip with ever people abroad. that does not speak his language that wow. he knows nothing about. Wow. <laughs> and all he thought about, you know what? These people need my help and I'm going to help them. That's unbelievable. That was amazing. Amazing. And so yeah, when there's yeah. crisis, people will come together. And one thing to add to that, it's amazing. God has a way of working things out. Tom never had a passport at all, all his life. Wow. Wow. Never had a passport at all because he never needed to travel to leave U.S. I think it was a couple of months, two or three months prior to the earthquake, he decided to get a passport out of the blue. He didn't even know why he got a passport. And then... I got a contact who told me to send email to someone in Atrium to send an email asking for volunteers. And he sent a broadcast email to all the employees at Atrium. And that's how Tom got the email and he somehow got his passport. It's just amazing. God has a way. Natasha, do, do you remember the earthquake? Do you remember where you were and what, what would have going through your mind. I'm assuming you were obviously quite younger then. Mm-hmm. So how did that impact you and how your family reacted? Yeah, that? it was um it was devastating. I was at work as well. And at that time I was working for a nonprofit and I was at work and it was also later in the afternoon, towards the end of my shift, and someone had said, Has everybody seen the news? And and I'm at work. So I, you know, I said, Well, no, I haven't heard anything, but you know, Everyone at work was like whispering, like something's going on. And actually where I worked, a lot of Haitians worked there too. So, but they all seemed like so, so quiet. And then finally it was a group home I was in and I was able to, the residents were out. So I was able to turn on the TV and see what was going on. And then immediately called my mom. who She had already been on the phone trying to get in touch with right. her, her brother, my uncle, in Haiti and, and family members and just so you're just walking around that whole day with like a pit in your stomach yes. you know yes. um like you couldn't breathe I had my you know my my cousins over there young in school and and they were obviously at school when when it happened mm-hmm. and just waiting days waiting to hear from someone um that they were okay and I personally once I saw like the first image I couldn't I, I couldn't like I couldn't continue to watch the images I was just praying to God that resources were being deployed immediately and that, you know, us at home, we're, we're just trying to get in touch with our loved ones. It was difficult for a long time. And ultimately, a little while after that, you know, we got in touch with, you know, our family. And right away, we sent for my cousins to come to the States. I mean, my, my cousin, he described to me that day when he was going home from school, having to step over dead bodies yeah. um, trying to get home. I can't even imagine. I, he's so resilient today. He's doing well. He's flourishing. But I mean, for him to have to experience that at such a young age, I couldn't even imagine. So it was definitely made a huge impact and um, just drew me closer to the need to stay close, you know, stay close to my culture, stay close to my family, stay connected, get involved however I can. I was in Connecticut at the time. So there were organizations in Connecticut that I was working with and, you know, they had different fundraising and um, different drives. I would just get involved however I can. But I mean, I think that's something that's going to stay with, with, with you forever. Yeah. I think about, I think about those days and 
I maybe today I have have forgotten a bit how how it felt the first time I I, I caught wind that you know my family was okay, but I can I can certainly tell you that I I can relate to the to the you know pit in your stomach right like you 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 want to know but if it's bad news you probably you would rather not want to know but you do want to know it's right. just it, right. it's just an amazing feeling mm-hmm. it's been about what a month ago we had an anniversary and uh it was mind blowing to to listen to the testimonies and i appreciate the fact that uh Sabine, you arranged for you know people who were there were able to join us from Haiti on zoom to recall those days and the one the one testimony that stayed with me was the youngest of those uh, speakers who was exactly my son's age and when he was talking all i could i could think of is like you know my son would have been 10 at the time and when he said for the longest time because his father was the first person he saw after all of these cares for the longest time he couldn't be without his father whenever his father had to leave him alone he would panic he would go into this 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 is terrible panic how hopeful do you think we can be about the work we are we are doing and what does it take to continue to doing this work and that question goes to you sabine it takes collaboration it takes patience can it be done absolutely but it is not an easy task because we are always facing with many the challenges besides financial which is a big one of course without money there's very little that you can actually do but in order to really make the change that you want you need proper funding so that's a challenge in itself but because Haiti for the past couple of years has this politically unstable insecurity so that's another challenge in itself as an example we had to cancel a trip in 2019 that we had already planned to go for a medical trip to provide care to the patients to the population in the villages we had to cancel because of political insecurity or instability and 2020 we had to cancel again because of covid and this year we were planning to go for easter in april but we had to cancel because of political instability again so these are the challenges that we cannot control and we continue to work around them as much as we can do the little that we can until things get settled and we're able to proceed full force money wise of course with, with the proper fund funding and with the insecurity in control so the next chapter we have opened as an organization is building the hospital would you like to tell our audience um for the people who are discovering this podcast where we are where do we pick up from 
How are things going and what do we expect to do in the next years to come? So this question is actually for Naomi. As far as building the clinic that we're planning on doing um, in the northern part of Haiti, we have the land. We have an architect that designed the plan, but of course, fundings we don't have. This is why we kind of like stuck. And we've had the plan for the land for a couple of years now, but we cannot get the funding to get it done. So this is a big issue. Funding is a really, really big issue for us. Because even when we try fundraising, we end up spending money instead of making money. So it's a big issue. And part of it too, I mean, I'm not blaming my people, but they not, it's hard for, to, for you to get in their pockets. <laughs> okay? They'll come to anything for free, but once they hear money involved, there's a problem. My people need to learn, you know, things cannot be done without money. It is what it is. You know, they need to come through and every little bit count. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta help. You, you gotta put out the money, you know, people and then volunteering too. We, it's, it's a problem with Haitians to so volunteer. You find other people's willing to give their time. My people don't like to do that. So we, we're stuck between funding and finding the hands that really want to do things. But we have the land. We, we have location. We have the plan out for our clinic. But funding is an issue. Sabine, you want to take over? Sabine, right now, if the clinic was functional, built and functional right now, how many people would it be giving service to? How many people would benefit at the moment with this clinic? That math is easy because when we go to Haiti, in in four days, we can easily see over six, between 650 and 700 uh, patients in four days. Right. And we're talking about maybe from hours of 10 to 3, 4 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So not even a full eight hours. So we could see all these people. So you can imagine, because the last time I think the number was 669 or 670. And it's not just seeing the patients, it's educating the ladies. Okay. Mm -hmm. We had workshops. You were one of the teachers. Yes, you work the in the pharmacy. No, the workshop. <laughs> I was in the workshop. So it's not just seeing patients. It's when we go, we do the globally. So in order, so if we open it, I want to take a step back and say, why are we doing it? Okay, why building right. a medical clinic? Okay, why is it so important? Who cares, right? We believe health is wealth. If you're healthy, you are wealthy. That is the reason we will be calling the clinic Santé Sérichesse. Santé Sérichesse. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Yep, because I can give you a beautiful house, beautiful roads, great schools, great everything. But if you're not physically, emotionally, psychologically well, you cannot enjoy anything. That is the reason we want to start with the medical. Emotional and physical well-being is important. As we all know, we're all Haitians, Haitian descent, Haitians do not, majority of Haitians do not have access to mm -hmm. healthcare. 
I think you did, you did tell you did give me a, an approximate number of of the ratio patient per doctor. One for ten thousand. One doctor <laughs> per ten thousand patients. Correct. That is a staggering. And that <laughs> was like the last stat was twenty eighteen. It's probably less, much less now because the population oh. has grown. Now I think we're close to twelve million people. Yeah, and one of the things also that that happens a lot is that professionals in Haiti they don't have an incentive to stay unless they are committed. They have a social commitment to to do something. But like if you go through all those years studying and preparing, the first opportunity that arises elsewhere, you're gonna pick up a live because again, it's 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 not easy uh, to 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 do. Not so, only is that easy to do because one, you can be done with school. Can I get a job, even as a doctor? And if you do get a job, I was a hospital administrator in Haiti. A lot of the doctors were getting between two hundred and two hundred fifty US a month. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. As a doctor. Mm. Yeah. You spend how many years in school? Yeah. Okay. And now you thinking about if I go to Chile, I go to Mexico, I right. go to Dominican Same. Republic, mm-hmm. anywhere outside of Haiti, mm-hmm. how much will I be getting? So why should I stay? Especially right. not only you can I get a job, if you do get a job, this is extremely low pay and you don't always get paid or you don't get paid on time. Mm-hmm. It could be six months, you don't get paid. That's why a lot of times the hospital, the doctors are on strike. They're not working because they don't get paid. They have not gotten paid. So many times, once they have an an opportunity to leave, they will take it. They will leave. And now, may you've traveled with us many times. We see patients who have never been seen by a medical doctor all their lives. Mm-hmm. One gentleman one time came. His blood pressure was so high, the machine gave us an hour. Couldn't read his BK. Every time we go, we're almost like saving somebody's lives. So it is important to us, like, without health, you don't have anything. So we have to do this. It's a must. But it is a challenge because it's hard to find that seed money to start it. It's hard to go and tell people, I need money to go clean up the land. Okay. Yes. They are. If you apply for a grant, they're asking for how many patients have you already seen. They want to see up some as uh, something up and going right. before they get involved. So that's the hard part. We need that seed money to put the fence up, to put the infrastructure in place. Then, because we are using shipping containers to build the clinic. And it's not a lot of money to start just with one clinic. It's about fifty thousand between fifty and seventy thousand dollars. But as part of that money is cleaning up the land, putting the fence, hire the security, make sure that we dig some some wells for water. There's a lot that we need to put in place before we can get that shipping the container. Shipping containers really cheap here. You can get it either for low cost or free, then customize it and ship it. But it's not just that. Then you have to pay, get the money for the personnel before then you could say, here's my stat, here's my report. Then a lot of people will want to join because you already have something that is running. So that's the challenge as well. Yeah, That is the challenge. But, you know, Santissi Richesse, it's, it's one thing that I... I it's like a new discovery for me, but, but <laughs> and and it sounds incredibly obvious, but until you hear someone say it, it 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 sort of like becomes 
you, you want to take it as a life motto, isn't it? Because while you were you were talking about how important it is to have health before everything else, right? Before the latest iPhone and the <laughs> Jaguar and the Tesla and the whole thing, I'm thinking about us living in a in a very developed country where the ultimate luxury is actually affordable healthcare. <laughs> one of the richest countries in the world the old, the ultimate luxury is affordable healthcare because while we can have it all but we can have it all materially but just get sick and you probably will go bankrupt mm-hmm. you know if you get yeah. seriously ill yeah. in a country like here so it gives us a lot a lot to to think about but i think all I can hear from this conversation is that there's hope and that we're not giving up, right? Not at all. <laughs> that is not an option at all because it is the right thing to do. It is a must. There is no way that we can just turn our backs and say, you know what, we try. No, that is not who we are. We are a very, very, very small organization. So small that we don't even have a physical location. But guess what? From 2009 to today, we've done a whole lot of work that big organizations have not been able to do. Of course, there are pros and cons because 100% of the donations, tax deductible, donations that we receive go toward the project that we collect the funds for because without any overhead. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we have received phone calls from big organizations asking for our for our help to get things out of Casamina, Haiti. We have the connections. We have the people. People trust us. We get things done. We don't stay in here and ship stuff to Haiti and let somebody else do the work, assuming, hoping that they do right. get the work done. Or whatever you send, the supplies will actually right. reach the people where it's supposed to go to. We go down there and we make sure that it gets done. We are hands-on. We The people need us and we are going to be sure that they get the needs that they desire. Mm-hmm. It's, it's taken us a long time. Unfortunately, with COVID last year, it really hurt us. And this year has been slow, but I think we are more aggressive this year mm-hmm. than before. Absolutely. <laughs> and Look at the podcast. We didn't have that before. That's We're putting right. the words out there. We are fighting. That's right. We are fighting for the people who cannot fight for themselves. We are their voices, and we're going to get it done one way or another. So, Natasha, does, does it make you hopeful to to have found this organization that well, the first time, you, the first Google yeah. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a newcomer in, in Charlotte, it was like, yep, there it is. Yeah, absolutely. It was extremely refreshing to see and inspiring as well. You know, there's a lot that I think that we have missed as far as opportunities as um, speaking from a perspective of a Haitian American. I think there's a lot that we can contribute as far as support and resources and and I think that an organization like this, which ties you directly, you know, you know, to the country and to your people, it just makes it more tangible. It makes it feel like, oh, so what I'm doing will make a direct impact in improving the lives of the people that we care about, care about, and and to help, you know, create an environment where they can thrive and be healthy 
um, and be well. So I just felt like it was a direct pipeline, you know, this organization and just seeing and hearing what you all have done. No, I know that nothing that we do now going forward will go in vain. So yeah, I'm really excited to have found uh, this group so that I can, you know, can contribute as much as possible. So it is important to know that if you go back and, and, and read, the name of this organization is Haitian Heritage and Friends of Haiti. We are counting on you to be a friend of Haiti. And as you can see, we speak of this Charlotte, North Carolina community in a very, very bright light because of what the community has demonstrated to us in the, in, in the darkest hour, right? Right at the infancy of this organization that the group with the leadership of Sabine was able to go to Haiti and arrive earlier than many of the biggest charitable organizations in the world and do work that, as Natasha says, is, is tangible, is palpable, that, that we know has made a difference. I, it did not get lost to me when Sabine said, every time we go to Haiti, we find ourselves saving lives. Think about someone who has never gone to a doctor, so they have no idea that they have high blood pressure, that they have diabetes, that they have lingering STDs, none of these things. And we come, and in a matter of a week, probably, we have given them more healthcare than they've ever received, and we put them in a path of being healthier. So, so it is important to know that this podcast, if you, when you listen to this podcast, the next thing you have to do is go to hhfoh.org. See what we do. There's some brilliant graphics and videos there. If, if you're not yet convinced of the work that has been done, of the work that we expect to do, but most of all, it is important that you make a commitment to donate and take it a bit further. Contact us. We will let you know when the next trip is because perhaps it is very easy to donate and stay home and trust that the work has been done. But there is another kind of satisfaction that comes with having been there and seeing the need and seeing what we're doing and why we do it. And I'm grateful that, Sabine, you, you, you took the step back to explain why we do what we do. Because this is not just because we're Haitian. This is a matter of human rights. And much in the same way that we do it for the country where our parents came from and most of us come, come from, we're born in. We would do it or anywhere else if the need arose. But it is important that we understand that this need is latent. It exists, it's there, and it didn't go away after the earthquake. So I would like for you ladies to have some final words and uh, we are going to invite folks to follow us 
on the different platforms where we will be broadcasting. And then uh, we'll call it a day. Sabine, what is your call to action for our listeners? First, I'd like to say thank you to everyone. We could not be where we are today without the support, the collaboration, uh, the prayer that we have received. So many people have prayed for us. <laughs> the relationships we have built along the way, the trust that the community has put on us, uh, it's amazing. So I wanna say thank you first and foremost to the ladies, uh, thank you to the volunteers, thank you to the partners, uh, uh, to sponsors uh, So many for so many of the trips that we have taken. We typically go to Haiti three to four times a year. So I wanna say thank you. As a departing word, I would like to remind people, though the earthquake happened 11 years ago, the rebuilding effort is still needed. Maybe on, in another podcast, we can go into why 11 years later, <laughs> we still need to rebuild the country yeah. after billions of dollars yeah. have been contributed we're going to leave it for another conversation, and I yes. hope everyone stay tuned for the next one. But we need your help. We need your partnership. We cannot do it alone. And I'm calling on all Haitians, all Haitian descents, everyone who says they are friends of Haiti, who care about the Haitian people, who love our culture, our food, our music, everything. Let's work together. We can do it together. We cannot do it alone. But together, Haiti can one day, which is our hope, to go back to the pearl of the Caribbean that it was once. It can happen if we all work together. We want your help to build the medical clinic, to give people, the ladies, a chance when they are giving birth. If there are complications, they can have a clinic they can go to safely to give birth to. Too many women have, loved, have lost their lives because the midwives are ill-equipped to take care of them. Too many kids have lost their lives before they even reach the age of five because of simple waterborne disease, because they only have the river to go to, to get to the water, to drink it. We can change that. We can save lives. Let's do it together. I believe uh, you will find all the information on how to contact us whether it's financial, whether it's to prayer or to fundraising, let's do it together. Yes, we can. Thank you. Naomi. Well, I'm not going to talk as much as Sabine, but like Sabine <laughs> said, <laughs> let's do it together. I'm going to leave on that note. Mais en pile, chai palou. 
bay piti pa chich so an met men nou ansanm pou nou fè peyi a mache Look at Naomi being all like, you know, you know, he's a big. He's a big son now. He's a big son now. Natasha, a call to action on, on, on your end. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it brief and simple as well. I think um, ultimately it's many hands light work, right? So if everyone contributes something, the ultimate result is is progression um results positive results so just everyone that's available who cares about Haiti descendants of Haiti like you said or just has a heart for our country i mean put your hands in and so that we can get this done and and get the country flourishing as it should be very well then so this we tried to do as a test but I took it as seriously as I could because I wanted these ladies to know that we don't need to be rehearsing anything. So I have to say this is ready to be broadcast and it will be edited and put on as our first episode as a podcast. Having said that, I want to go ahead and thank you. Didn't even realize how great of a job you've done today even though you all were like nervous and everything but I, i i said from the beginning there's no reason to be nervous because this is a conversation among friends and that's what podcasts are podcasts are about telling a story and also about talking as candidly as friends do so with that said this episode will be found as our episode 101 sort of like the pre-episode the introductory episode but you can go home and tell people that you've already done a podcast <laughs> <laughs> on that note uh, i'm grateful to have been able to to host this one thank you very much for listening we'll see you next time folks <laughs>